You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is the Useless Information Podcast. I am Steve Silverman. Useless Information. As I had mentioned in the last podcast, I'm shaking things up a bit by splitting my typical lengthy podcast into two separate parts. And with that, today, I'm launching what I call the Useless Information Retrocast. And basically, it's all the tidbits and things that don't make up one of the more in-depth, lengthy stories. So let's start this first retrocast with a question. You know, the United States currently consists of 50 states, you know, with Alaska becoming the 49th state and Hawaii the 50th, both back in 1959. But if California Representative Bertrand W. Gearhart had gotten his way, another totally independent country, that's not a U.S. territory, another independent country would have become the 49th state. So what country did he propose should be made the 49th state back in February of 1947? Well, hang around for a bit and I'll let you know the answer at the end of this podcast. Now, our first story for today is dated November 1st of 1924, which reported that Mrs. Betsy Pennock of Tiptree, England, was in search of a new husband. You know, she desired a man who was of middle age and good financial position and should be of the type that she used to meet in the, quote, good old Victorian days. And when she says Victorian, she wasn't kidding. That's because Mrs. Pennock was in her late teens when Victoria became the Queen of England on June 20th of 1837. In fact, at 106 years of age, Mrs. Pennock was believed to have been the oldest person alive in England at the time. Mrs. Pennock had married 86 years earlier and had been a widow for 40 years. And then she'd been a housekeeper for 26 years for William Harrington, who was a carpenter who had passed away the previous autumn at the age of 94. Having recently recovered from a period of illness, Mrs. Pennock desired a man who could provide for her for the remainder of her life. But sadly, Mrs. Pennock would not get to meet that Victorian man of her dreams. She passed away 144 days later on March 25th of 1925. 
Avantator time is 4 o'clock. And folks, I'm sure all of you have seen westerns before. But if I were a betting man, I'd bet you've never seen anything like Apache, starring Burt Lancaster and Gene Peters. Apache is showing on the widescreen at the Avon Theater in West Memphis tomorrow, Sunday, and Monday. And beautiful color by Technicolor. The other picture in this big double feature program is the spy jingling A Man in Hiding. I'll make goose pimples on goose pimples. That's what we'll do. See them both at the Avon Theater in West Memphis today, tomorrow, or Monday for sure. That clip for Avon, and we pronounce it Avon here in the northeastern U.S., it was broadcast on KWEM radio in West Memphis, Arkansas in May of 1955. Now, the exact date of the broadcast is unknown, but the real reason I played it is not to find out about the movie Apache starring Burt Lancaster and Gene Peters. It was really the intro into what came next. Home Equipment Company, the place where you can always get a good deal on quality home equipment, improvements rather, presents Johnny Cash and the Tennessee Two. apologize for the sound quality on that. I don't know what you experienced, but I found it to be quite piercing while I was listening to it through my headphones. And I do think I heard a baby in the background. Anyway, as you just heard, this is the first time that the late great Johnny Cash ever performed live on the radio. Now, I have no clue how popular he was outside the United States, but for those who are listening around the world who may not be familiar with him, I can tell you he is a music legend here. But my main reason for playing this is so you can hear Johnny Cash read commercials. You know, like so many others, Cash was once a struggling musician who needed to find work to make ends meet. So while in Memphis recording his first songs for Sun Records, Cash got a job at the home equipment company selling Venetian blinds, among other things. He was 23 years old when the show was broadcast. So let's take another listen to Johnny Cash, the pitch man for the home equipment company. You know, folks, even without air conditioning, you can make your home several degrees cooler this summer and for the summers to come with Home Equipment Company's Cool Glow Awnings. 
You know, Cool Glow is really something different, and the Home Equipment Company has its own shop to manufacture and install these awnings. These new awnings are 100% pure aluminum and fiberglass, and to you that means they'll never rust, because even the braces are aluminum. Never know rusty streaks running down the side of your house because of aluminum, um, because of the awnings, rather. And you can get them in any color you want, baked-in colors, to make them look fresh and new always. With Home Equipment Company's awnings, you can be sure of a real quality product. They're made by factory-trained men who really know the business, and that means a lot to you. So beautify your home, increase its value, and make it cooler with Cool Glow awnings from Home Equipment Company. By the way, you don't have to pay any money down, and you can get terms to suit you. You won't even have to make your first payment till July. So call me here now at uh, 4833-11 for a free estimate on awnings for your home. Someone will take your call here at 4833-11. You know, what's clear from this recording is that Cash was a far better musician than he was a pitch man. You know, his reads of the Home Equipment Company's plugs throughout the 15-minute show are a bit stiff, and that comes as a surprise to me because this is a man who always seemed to exude confidence. He was a man's man, if you know what I mean. Anyway, I'll play more of the show throughout the remainder of this podcast. So how do you like to go dancing? You know, put on your boogie shoes and dance the night away? Well, unfortunately, you'd have to get into your time machine to go to the dance I'm about to tell you about. That's because it was held on August 5th of 1942 in the Urban Room Nightclub. And that's not because it was in an urban location. It was named after its designer, Joseph Urban. And it was located on the 17th floor of the William Penn Hotel in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. At least two orchestras were scheduled to play, and that guaranteed a night of fun and entertainment for everyone. And that includes people like me with two left feet. Anyway... It was sponsored by the American Legion and called the War Records Ball. And there was something very unusual about this dance. You see, instead of paying for admission with hard, cold cash, each entrant was required to donate five old and worn-out phonograph records. Those that attended the dance could bring in phonograph records in any condition. It didn't matter if they were cracked or broken or whatever. And if you couldn't make the dance, you could take your records to the nearest Legion post, police station, or fire station. So what's going on here? Keep in mind this is during World War II, and phonograph records were made of shellac. Well, not shellac entirely. The shellac was used as a binder or resin to hold together inexpensive powdered filler that made up the bulk of the record. And it was typically something like carbon black. The problem was that shellac is a natural product. It's actually secretions from the female lac bug with the bulk of the raw material sourcing from India and Southeast Asia. But with a war going on, imports of shellac just came to a grinding halt. But shellac was needed for the war effort. Keep in mind this is in the days before polyurethane and other man-made finishes. So shellac was in short supply. And it was used in the manufacture of things like signal flares, explosives, artillery shell coatings, and so on. So the War Production Board ordered a 70% cut in the production of new phonograph records. Since older records are thought to have no intrinsic value at the time, you know, few believe they'd ever have any value that there'd be record collectors out there, the idea was to salvage the old records and sell them back to the record companies. They could then turn and melt them down and make new records from them. 
then the proceeds from the sale of these old records were used to buy new recordings and phonographs for those fighting the war. The drive to collect old phonograph records began in June 1942 with the establishment of a non-profit patriotic organization named Records of Our Fighting Men Incorporated. Big celebrities of the day, that's Kate Kaiser, Kate Smith, and Gene Autry, they were appointed to be president and vice presidents of the operation. In addition, many other big-name celebrities offered up their star power to help promote the cause. But it was left to the American Legion to come up with ways to collect the discs, hence the dance in the urban room. While deemed successful, uh, these scrap record drives were unable to produce enough of the old shellac to meet demand, so a new synthetic material was introduced into the manufacturing process. It was called polyvinyl chloride, or PVC for short, a plastic product, and was marketed under the name Vinylite. We simply refer to it as vinyl today. Here's something to think about if you're planning on doing any kind of repairs on your home. Home Equipment Company has 17 different departments to give you any type of home service you need. For instance, on flint coat roofing and siding, it's the very best installed by men that really know how. In our Youngstown kitchen department, it's always a plan that counts, and Home Equipment Company gives you complete free planning service and does a job they're proud of all the way from to the finishing touches. On aluminum screens, they're completely rust-proof and bug-proof. You never have to paint them because they're all aluminum. Wire fences, they're heavy 9-gauge wire with steel posts set in 18 inches of concrete. Fiberglass insulation for your home makes it cooler in summer and warmer in winter. These and many others, so anything for your home to make it a better place to live, is Home Equipment Company's business. And for any type of home improvements, you don't have to pay any money down and you can get terms to suit you up to three years to pay. Call us here at 483311 for a free estimate on any remodeling service. That's 483311 here in Memphis. Okay, we're going to take a quick break here to listen to a few words from our sponsors and we'll be right back after this. Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-whim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. On our show, we help listeners like you make the most of your finances. I sit down with NerdWallet's team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. We answer your real-world money questions and break down the latest personal finance news. The nerds will give you the clarity you need by cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. We don't promote get-rich-quick schemes or hype unrealistic side hustles. Instead, we offer practical knowledge that you can apply in your everyday life. You'll learn about strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. And you'll walk away with the confidence you need to ensure that your money is always working as hard as you are. So turn to the nerds to answer your real-world money questions and get insights that can help you make the smartest financial decisions for your life. 
Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. At the time, I only felt a punch. I think everything went wrong. His drug of choice was heroin. Binging and purging over and over and over. Evaluate you, and if you're okay to go, they're going to let you go. This is Justin, and I do the Peripheral Podcast. I have a true crime background, but when telling the stories of true crime, sometimes you have to gloss over topics like mental illness, drug addiction, sexual assault. And I feel like we do that in life too. So this podcast is my attempt to bring all of these topics that are on the peripheral into the mainstream. So please join me wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome back. Now I'm going to introduce a new section to the uh, podcast. And these are really short little stories I've collected over the years. And they're so short that there's really no more research to be done in them. To rewrite them really doesn't make any sense. I'm just going to read them word for word. And I have five of them to read for you today. Now, I was trying to think of a name for this segment. And since they're really short shorts, I was thinking short shorts, you know, based on that 1958 song by the Royal Teens. And if you don't know, a little side note here, I think I mentioned this in a previous podcast, it was written in part by Bob Gaudio, and he was a member of the Four Seasons and wrote most of their hits and the hits for Frankie Valli. Now, if you've never heard that song, just go over to YouTube and uh, pull it up, Short Shorts. It's a pretty famous song, and I think, other than a little intro at the beginning, it only has eight different words throughout the entire song. Anyway, I decided Short Shorts wasn't probably the best choice. So then I thought, well, maybe something like it's insignificant. These are little insignificant stories, so maybe I'd call it insignifica. But after thinking about it uh, for the last few weeks, I've settled on footnotes to history, and I've used that term before in the podcast. So these are footnotes to history. So here's our first one. The headline on this one reads, Helps indict himself. Grand jury man deliberates with others and is convicted of offense. St. Mary's, West Virginia, January 25th, 1914. James Seven was indicted on the charge of disturbing religious worship by the grand jury on which he was serving yesterday. He was forced with the others to deliberate over his own indictment. Lawyers declare it was the first in the history such an event has taken place. Seven later pleaded guilty to the charge at the trial before Judge Woods and was sentenced to pay a fine of $25 and costs and to undergo three months' imprisonment. Imprisonment was suspended on condition of Severin's good behavior. I hope that sounds not too annoying. I needed something to transition between each of these little stories, and I thought that was kind of appropriate. In fact, another title I was playing with was Retro Rewind. Anyway, I put it really low so it's not too annoying. Our next story is dated February 10th of 1933 and took place in St. Paul, Minnesota. An eight-and-one-half-inch table fork swallowed today by Miss Margaret Santel, 19 years of age, was removed four hours later through a surgical operation. Little side note, I'm not going to convert that to the metric system. Take my word, that's a full-size table fork. Anyway, the uh, fork was swallowed by Miss Santel as she attempted to depress her tongue with the handle. Next up, we have a story from January 3rd, 1946 in Hagerstown, Maryland. Would-be brides and grooms were about to run into a bottleneck in Hagerstown. The deputy clerk of the court is down to his last six marriage license blanks. 
The half dozen of the remains of an emergency supply rushed to Hagerstown recently, lamented clerk Merlin Snyder. A rush of marriage applications with half the groom's returning soldiers created the license crisis. Next up, we have a story from June 15, 1949 from Plymouth, England. For 20 years, farmer Joe Trevithan's vacation plans were gummed up by one big problem. What about the milking? This year at last, he solved it. He rented a field for two weeks at Ludown, his chosen vacation spot. Then he packed the cow and her calf into a truck and took them along. And before I tell this next story, I should mention, for those of you who are too young or may not know for some reason, that the nickname of our former President Dwight Eisenhower was Ike. It was given to him as a child. So here we go. This is dated May 30th of 1952 and took place in London. Feminine cries of, I like Ike, rang through the trees around the Houses of Parliament today. Startled officials found 24-year-old Jean Thurgard trying to lure her parrot Benji out of a fig tree. Quote, I taught him to say, I like Ike, she explained and answered as a summons. She said Benji escaped from her nearby Baker Street apartment a week ago and has spent most of his time around Parliament since. At nightfall, he was still up the tree. And that concludes the new segment, Footnotes to History, for today. Now here's a tidbit that I researched and wrote all by myself. So when I was a kid, if anyone mentioned the name Australia, the first thing that popped into my head was, can you guess, kangaroos. Anyway, in fact, Australia's national animal is the red kangaroo, and it's the largest surviving marsupial in the world. Well, on May 26th of 1952, the Associated Press ran a story that a 14-month-old kangaroo was being flown from Sydney to Washington, D.C. to be presented as a gift to President Harry Truman and the citizens of the United States. But what made this kangaroo so unusual was that it was an albino, and it was the only one in captivity at the time. It had been raised by Edward J. Hallstrom, who was the president of the Taronga Park Zoo in Sydney, after it had been captured as a baby in its mother's pouch. As a little side note, I believe that Hallstrom made his money in refrigeration and used a good chunk of his fortune for the establishment of the zoo, hence he became the president. I'm not really sure he raised this uh, kangaroo either, but there he was. He was on his way to the United States with an albino kangaroo. Now, this kangaroo's name was kind of like one of those old mad libs. I don't know if you remember those. It was kind of a booklet, and you'd open up to a page. There'd be a paragraph, and there'd be blanks. And you couldn't see it. Someone else would read to you, and they'd say, give me a noun, give me an adjective, a verb, or whatever. Uh, And then they'd read it back to you, whatever crazy uh, paragraph it came out to be. Well, this kangaroo was simply named Miss, and then there was kind of a blank there. A proper noun needed to be inserted. It was up to the United States to fill in the remainder of her name. So what would you name an albino kangaroo? You know, I'm thinking Miss Hoppity Hop or Miss Skippy or Miss No Name. Okay, those are really bad suggestions. Well, in a news conference with President Truman on May 29th in 1952, reporters questioned him about Australia's gift. Truman responded he knew very little other than the fact that he had seen the picture in the newspaper, you know, read that little blurb beneath it, that the kangaroo was on its way to the United States. He jokingly suggested he would simply give the kangaroo to the press conference. And when asked what he was going to name the kangaroo, he responded, quote, I haven't seen the kangaroo. I don't know whether it's a lady or a gentleman. I'll have to wait and find out. 
Well, clearly the White House is not the ideal place for an albino kangaroo, and as a result, she was turned over to Dr. William M. Mann, who was the director of the National Zoo. As for her name, Dr. Mann stated, quote, It's called Miss Australia, and in a week the boys at the zoo will be calling it Whitey. So early in the podcast, I'd mentioned that California Representative Bertrand W. Gearhart had proposed making another independent country the United States' 49th state. Were you able to name that country? Well, the answer is Iceland. You see, just prior to a speech that Bud Gearhart was scheduled to give before the House of Representatives on Monday, February 24th of 1947, he told reporters, quote, Aside from the noise of a little minority of Soviet-motivated communists in the Icelandic parliament, Iceland has not discouraged a statehood proposition from this government. He added, My speech will be the opening of a campaign to sell him solidly on the idea, and I hope the State Department will carry it on. Gearhart later explained his rationale, quote, Iceland and Greenland lie on a line of march of any marauding empire which might be bent on world conquest. In the face of an onslaught, Iceland would, standing by herself, be helpless. In any world war that might involve us, she is indispensable to our defense. Her strategic value cannot be ignored longer. But in response to the proposal, and I know I'm going to butcher this name, Bajarni Benedictson, who was Iceland's foreign minister at the time, he instructed their minister to Washington to reject the proposal outright, stating that it was, quote, improper. Yet that didn't stop Gearhart from going forward with the idea. He introduced a resolution to Congress that would not only ask Iceland to become part of the United States, but also requested that we open negotiations with Denmark to purchase Greenland, which I'm sure you heard in the news was something that former President Trump reportedly wanted to do back in 2019. In addition, Gearhart requested that we begin negotiations with France, Great Britain, and Japan to purchase all of the islands that the United States deemed necessary for defending itself in the Atlantic, the Pacific, and the Caribbean. Needless to say, none of these proposals gained any traction in Congress. Well, folks, uh, it's just about time for us to leave. But before we go, I'd like to say that it's been very nice uh, coming your way today over KWEM. We hope very much that you enjoyed our program and hope you'll be tuned in again next Saturday afternoon at 4 o'clock. And once again, we'll be back with you and try to sing you uh, the songs that you want to hear. If you have any requests... Uh, just write us in. If we know it, we'll sing it. If we don't, we'll try to learn it. Also, if uh, there's anything that you'd plan to do to your home, any improvements, Youngstown kitchens, iron, insulation, roofing, siding, tile, heating equipment, screens, or anything at all, just call Home Equipment Company. Call us here at 483311, and someone will come out and uh, give you an estimate on it free, of course, at your convenience. Just presented 15 minutes of country music by Johnny Cash and the Tennessee Two. Tune in again next Saturday afternoon at 4 o'clock when Home Equipment brings you Johnny Cash. Serving both Memphis and the greater Mid-South, this is KWEM 990 on your radio dial in Memphis. 
with Johnny Cash bringing his first show to a close, it's probably a good time to end this podcast also. Now, this new retrocast is still a work in progress, and as you just heard, I really didn't vary it much from what I've done in the past. But don't hesitate to email me with your thoughts on this episode or really any other story I've done. My email is steve at uselessinformation.org, and you can also use the contact form on my website, that's uselessinformation.org, and you can also use Messenger on Facebook. Just a reminder, my new book, The Flipside History, is currently available. Also, be sure to check out my two previous books. Those are Einstein's Refrigerator and Lindbergh's Artificial Heart. All three books are collections of long-forgotten true stories, you know, just like the ones you hear on this podcast. Be sure to sign up for my Twitter feed. It's at UselessInfoCast, and you'll be among the first to know when a new episode's released. Again, the handle's at UselessInfoCast. Also, be sure to like the show on Facebook. You just do a quick search for the Useless Information Podcast, and it should be the first match. Also, make sure you subscribe to the Useless Information Podcast to your favorite podcast platform. And I'm not going to list them all this time. Anyway, I'll be back in a couple of weeks with a new in-depth story. And I haven't picked out the story yet, although I do have a few on my short list of possibilities. Anyway, thanks for listening, and take care, everyone. Bye. Hi, I'm Neil. And I'm Ken. And we are from the Triviality Podcast, a pub trivia-style game show where a lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge. Join us each week for an hour-long game of general knowledge trivia featuring special guests from around the world, plus tons of extra themed episodes. If you want to improve your trivia game, or you just want to scream at us in your car when we get easy questions wrong, then we're the show for you. Find Triviality on all your favorite podcast apps. But you know that, because you're already listening to a podcast.